0: Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Mark and, the oh, my the finisher. and your number one source for Chicago Bulls news and stories. Oh, get buckets, Otto Porter, Jr. All night, long. No, all Savage. night. On Twitter, at Locked On Bulls, at Jordan C. Malley, and at Bulls underscore Pet. People have their opinion. What that, other falsehoods what are out there?
1: A lot of the perception things about us.
0: Are
2: players buying in, Jim?
1: I. Yes.
2: Fair enough. Rebuilds are difficult. Sometimes it takes years and years. I still believe, given a, a really good offseason with this draft pick that we have coming and with
0: our ability to, to get some veteran players in here alongside these young guys, we, we can make a substantial leap. Kick back. Relax. Locked on Bulls starts now.
2: My job is to prepare the child
0: for the road, not the road for the child. And these guys are men. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck.
3: What's up and welcome into Lockdown Bulls, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, streaming live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. I'm your host, Jordan Malley. Along with me is Matt Peck. Follow us on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Lockdown Bulls. Hit us up on our text and voicemail line, 331-979-1369. Drop your texts, your voicemails. Give us a call this weekend. You got thoughts and post-NBA lottery. You got some thoughts on the NBA Combine. Drop them for us, 331-979-1369. Matt, happy Friday to you. Good to get the weekend rolling on the right path. And that's with Locked On Bulls here. How you doing? And are you excited to dive into more of these mailbag questions?
2: What up, Jordan? What up, Bulls Nation? Uh, Yep, yeah. excited for the weekend and uh, excited to get through the as many as we can today. A lot of uh, voicemails and texts, uh, you know, we did a good number of them on Wednesday, but when something as massive as the draft lottery happens and Poles fans have all kinds of reactions and questions and comments, um, our our inbox uh, definitely exploded, so uh, I'm excited to uh, field as many of these as we can today.
3: Yeah, let's uh, not waste any time here, and we're just going to jump right into it, so normally we kick things off by talking about something, but... We got plenty to talk about here from your question. So we want to make sure we get to all of those. So again, you can tweet at us at LockedOnBulls or you can drop us a text or a voicemail at 331-979-1369. All right, first text up, Matt. This is from the 770. Draft lottery wasn't a success for the Bulls and I don't want the Bulls to reach for a point guard at 7, which is what I think they may do from what I'm reading. Do you guys think it would be better for the Bulls to trade back and get an asset, either get a 2020 pick or which might be a better draft class or get two picks in this draft, i.e. Boston at 14, 20, or 22. This is an interesting question, Matt. I don't think this is one that we've addressed yet in terms of where the Bulls are at at seven and maybe even moving back even farther than that. What do you think about this idea and maybe some teams at the back end of the lottery or even somewhere in the mid-20s like Boston?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's an appealing idea for Bulls fans now knowing where we landed in the lottery um, because... As this texter is suggesting, maybe you don't want to reach on, say, Kobe White and don't want to draft for need, and maybe whoever is left there at seven of the guys that we keep talking about, whether it's Culver or Hunter or Reddish, you're not really that high on any of those guys either. So, you know, trade back and get yourself an asset. I I like the concept. I just don't know how likely it is that that will be something that they can accomplish because in this week draft – I find it hard to believe that a team would be willing to sacrifice an asset as a, as valuable as a future first round pick or multiple picks at the back end of this draft where you might actually be able to find value compared to where you're taking that, m- making that selection to move up to a spot like seven. Um, you know, maybe there are some people right now talking about the fact that people are sleeping on Cam Reddish just because he was overshadowed at Duke. And there could be some truth to that, but, um, but i don't know if he or anybody who's on the board at 7 is going to be enough of a target, enough of a magnet for a team to say all right, we're going to we're going to sacrifice future assets or multiple assets uh if we were to just wait for our turn like like they're suggesting with the Celtics and their multiple picks because they really like somebody that much at 7. It's a cool idea and i wish it were likely because i'm not in love with anything that the bulls have going for them at 7 here, but i just don't think that Many teams will be knocking down the door to get the Bulls' pick. Yeah, I'm going to indulge this for a second. So I'm thinking about the Charlotte Hornets specifically,
3: and I thought about this yesterday before we even got the question. Playing with around with the idea of maybe the Bulls don't love Kobe White at seven. Darius Garland's off the board. Jarrett Culver, DeAndre Hunter are also off the board there at number seven. Maybe the Charlotte Hornets look up, look to move up. Maybe they can't re-sign Kemba Walker, and they need to find their point guard of the future. At number 12, so you'd move back to number 12. The only thing here is I have to get either one of two assets from the Charlotte Hornets on top of moving back. It's either Miles Bridges or Malik Monk. E- either of those players excite you at all in terms of moving back? Because even if you move back to 12, you could still look at a guy like Brandon Clark or maybe, maybe I don't know, maybe a big man, maybe, maybe another one of these shooting guard slash small forwards. It's going to be at the back end of the lottery. I specifically, my mind went specifically to Brandon Clark of Gonzaga. But what about Charlotte? If Charlotte came to you and said, we want to move up to seven, got the connection with Kobe White, too, playing at UNC. Um, so there's some familiarity with there with the Hornets, and the Hornets need to figure out their point guard situation. So uh, if they attached, say, let's say the 12th pick and Malik Monk to move up to number seven, Uh, Would you consider that? I mean,
2: yeah, I would. I would consider that. Um, I I think, uh, you know, Monk can still be a a player that gets even better in the NBA. I know people were kind of somewhat disappointed by his rookie year. Um, I, I liked what I saw from him more this season. And moving from seven down to 12 in this draft doesn't seem like that big of a dip. But then you're talking, again, about in that range, like you mentioned, you know, uh, Zagas, Brandon Clark, and and some of the other bigs that are projected to go in that, you know, 9 through 12 range. And that's just kind of, you know, again, this all goes back to need versus best available. If you're going best available with one of those bigs, and we have heard that the Bulls, knowing that they've now dropped to 7, are going to bring in some bigs. Uh, who are working out in chicago that they maybe weren't planning on bringing into work out to keep their options open and have as many options as possible but i just you know i i don't see the 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 value in chasing uh, another center when you have essentially two already that you're trying to build with and and you know the age-old question of can you actually build a contending team around bigs in the league right now it's a conversation for a different day but we're talking about, and, and it's because of the Bulls have told us this themselves, whether it's Boylan and his staff or John Paxson talking about finding more opportunities to play Markin and at the 5, and you still have Wendell. Um, you know, Right now it doesn't seem like they're using Wendell as any kind of trade bait um, and are, are really invested in him turning him into a real piece of this rebuild. So trading back to 12 and looking at some of the bigs in that range of this draft is not that appealing to me, but adding a player like Monk might make it worth it because, you know, as you're saying, maybe the Bulls really aren't in love with anybody at seven and that would be a way to uh, you know, to to add a piece. Now, would the Hornets be interested in a deal like that? Uh, you know, that that that's hard to say. I like I don't know if they'd be willing to sacrifice Malik Monk to move up five spots.
3: Yeah, he's been pretty decent. He had a pretty decent role off the bench last year, but yeah, it'll be interesting. See what Charlotte decides to do, and maybe they still have to wait on Kemba Walker's decision as well. And I, I mean, as far, in terms of Kemba Walker, too, I wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibility that they try to do a sign-in trade. I know that's that's not like a fallback plan for them, but I could see that happening too. If they can't find a deal and Kemba Walker's like, you know what, I want to go and try to win somewhere. Maybe he can help out the Charlotte Hornets, similar to the way that Chris Paul helped out the Clippers by doing a sign and trade with somebody. So regardless, maybe some maybe the Hornets are looking to upgrade at the point guard position. So that was just one team just right off the top of my head that I could think of in terms of if the Bulls wanted to move back. But uh thanks for the question. Appreciate it. Seven seven zero. We didn't consider that before.
2: Um all right so this this one uh comes from the 773 and it is one of the many point guard situations that we've been discussing recently but with an added question that we haven't talked about yet guys I'm intrigued by a two-year deal for Mike Conley how would the money work we only have 25 million cap space that's generous I assume you trade the pick a couple of guys uh but then you still have roster spots to fill also would the Reinsdorffs be willing to go into the luxury tax curious how the math works on the conley trade so again it it, you know the the two-year deal referring to is the remainder of the of the contract that conley is currently on and his salary for next year goes beyond what the bulls currently have in cap space so you absolutely would have to send some players over on money but the you know the the tricky part of that is who who are the bulls sending um because I'm guessing more so than uh, like players the Bulls have, the, the Grizzlies would want picks. Yeah, and, and the
3: Mike Conley deal, it's not as far off as you think it is. At least for our texter, think about it. The Bulls are going to have hopefully they get they get that O'Meara Sheikh money coming in. They're going to have like twenty four and a half million dollars to spend in free agency, and they have limited spots too. That was something else we talked about. So. If realistically you're looking at a deal for Mike Conley, you're probably closer than you actually think. You're at about $8 million, and that's before you add any players from the Bulls into this trade. So you trade that first pick. Say you trade the seventh pick for Mike Conley, and then you have to add a couple other pieces. Let's just say for for hypothetical situation here that you, that you have to trade away maybe Wendell Carter Jr. or Chris Dunn or a combination of both of those guys, or maybe you have to give up another first-round pick uh, sometime in the future here. If you add Chris Dunn and Wendell Carter Jr., that's about ten million dollars there, the combined between those two players. So you're right at thirty. You're right at about that ballpark of thirty-two to four, thirty-four million in terms of matching salary. So there's an avenue where the Bulls can make this work and still not go into the luxury tax. You just would have to end up giving up to some. I mean, Wendell Carter Jr. being one of your biggest assets, and then Chris Dunn too on top of that. So I think there's a path for the Bulls to do this. This is. Just a question of, do you want to hamstring yourself now, not only for free agency this summer, but going into next summer too? Do you feel confident with the team that you have for the next two years? Um, That's the biggest question that I think I have there. And $62 million for the next two years is a whole hell of a lot of money for Mike Conley.
2: Yeah. And the other part of the question about would the Bulls go into the luxury tax? That's an interesting one because I believe in this, uh, you know, New Age rebuild, whatever number you want to put on this rebuild, essentially since the Baby Bulls era, they've gone into the luxury tax one time um, and <laughs> one, one time. time. And look, I like I, I don't see the point in criticizing The you know ownership or the front office when it comes to spending money and the you know the the tired narrative from a a part of the fan base that says this ownership group is cheap the front office is cheap they they're all about money hashtag cash considerations all that jazz Why, why you know they never go into luxury tax all right well sometimes that is a valid complaint if going into luxury tax would benefit a team that was competitive and wanted to reach another level of competitiveness. There is zero point in paying a luxury tax for a team that won twenty two games, and going into next season when when you know the fan base that's still sticking around and wants to see this through want to see them make a big jump next year and maybe be a fringe team fighting for a playoff spot, then you can start to question whether or not it's worth it to go in the, into the luxury tax. You know, as far as the fans are concerned, it's it's not the fans' luxury tax dollars, it's. You know, we don't own this team, so for for the fans, it's like, well, you're you're billionaires. You will pay the luxury tax. It's easy for us to say that. It's easy for us to stand in our shoes and point at people that are billionaires and say, pay pay the tax, pay the fine to to go over the cap to make our team better. And I'm not I'm not saying that that's you know wrong for fans to have that opinion. I'm just saying when you're thinking about it logically, why pay? the luxury tax for a team that stinks. A good point. Now, I, you know, I think the team will stink less next year than it did this year. But is it worth it to go into the luxury tax next season? I'm not saying that they absolutely should.
3: It's a good point. Yeah, I don't think so either. Unless you've got a winning team, why go into the luxury tax? Because you can almost get yourself into a situation where, look at Miami, they have the biggest payroll right now in the NBA at $153 million, and where are they at? Um, First-round exits in the playoffs, and a bunch of guys that you're really not all that excited about? Like, Hassan Whiteside deal killed them, but still, you make a couple wrong moves, and you are in the luxury tax for more time than you maybe wanted to spend there, so like you said Matt I think the evidence is right there when you said that the Bulls have only been in the luxury tax once in what the last decade you said so I think that kind of answers your question and I don't think the Bulls are in a position where they feel like they're ready to win right now so they want to get better but I don't think the Bulls feel like they're in a position where they need to overspend right. and do anything you know, crazy like that
2: when when I would have a complaint about not being willing to go into the luxury tax is say three or four years from now when you got to keep marketing and sign him to likely a max deal or close to it, and you are trying to lure a free agent or maybe two who are already stars in their prime to come join the star or two that you have to make that real leap into into championship contention, that is when you spend luxury tax money to go over the cap. So fast forward to you know three or four years from now when that's the situation they're in, they absolutely should – be willing to go over the cap if it helps them try to get competitive and not just let's you know make a couple of you know home playoff games a thing again regularly but let's actually go try and win a championship if you're trying to win a championship and you are the Chicago Bulls the fourth wealthiest franchise in this league you damn well better be willing to go into the cap when the situation calls for it.
3: Totally agree. Let's head to our first voicemail of the day. Again, 331-979-1369, the place to drop your thoughts.
1: Hey, guys. Uh, I just wanted to call in because I am 100% sick to my stomach of all the Bulls fans, Bulls media, just crapping all over the Bulls and having the worst attitude about the Bulls still being one of the worst teams in the NBA, that the front office sucks, that we're going nowhere, and I'm so sick of it. Um, I love all the Bulls content. I need it. I'm a huge Bulls fan, but all the, the naysayers and people crapping on the Bulls is making me so tired of it, and the reason is, John Paxson is 100% correct that there's no way a free agent is going to, a top-line free agent is going to sign with the Bulls if they're not better. Um, that's the 100% fact of it. You, you need to have a good team, uh, obviously the cap space, and look at all the teams that have failed that are supposed to destination cities, but they weren't good enough. Or they didn't, obviously they didn't have the cap space. The Lakers, they, they've struck out countless years um, after Kobe until just LeBron, he, he essentially is, is in his uh, twilight of his career and, and wanted to set up his media empire so we went to the Lakers. Aside from that, uh, Miami Heat, so-called um, destination city, they haven't signed any bonds since. Uh, D. Wade was uh, was making the team good, and then he can obviously be a star that can draw people to a, the destination city of Miami Heat. Knicks, they've stunk for forever. They have the cap space, and uh, they do stink, but there's stars that are trying to coalesce to, to go there. We'll, we'll see if that actually happens. Um, you know, what, what other city is really getting free agents without uh, uh, being good first? So the plan for John Paxton is, is pretty simple. You need uh, better coaching to develop the, the, the players you have and hope they can reach star level. Um, that's what the Nets did, and they got lucky with DeAngelo Russell coming through. It was three years into Kenny Acton's system, so he developed the culture, developed, developed the system, that now they're pretty good where stars look at the nets and say maybe we want to go there um, same thing has to happen with the Bulls where Barkanen and Levine those are the two guys that have to get better, reach that next level and that's through player development um, I love what Jim Boylan is saying, people are crapping all over Jim Boylan but he's 100% correct, he's the right coach to, to get them to that next plateau of competitiveness with playing together playing for the right reasons um, playing for the team, whereas you can have all the skill in the world and get your numbers, but if you're not doing the little things for the team, that's not going to equate to winning, playing and so So I'm tired of all the Bulls fans.
3: All right, thanks for the call. So, Matt, what do you think about this? So this is uh, interesting. It's good to get all perspectives out there from Bulls fans. So this is a Bulls fan that's kind of tired and fed up hearing about the Bulls are a waste of time, that they can't do anything Right. Uh, but what do you think about this caller's notion about comparing the Bulls to maybe an up-and-coming team like the Nets um, and saying, realistically, where are all these free agents going and all these destination spots that everybody keeps plugging in playing You know, over the last 5, 10 years haven't really pursued or landed any big-time free agents in a plethora. So what do you overall think about this voicemail? Well,
2: first of all, I think they're... You know, if you want to use a couple of recent examples of, well, look, the Knicks haven't been able to land anybody big, or the Lakers haven't either, you know, he said, but the Lakers did just get LeBron. All right, well, yeah, the Lakers got LeBron after a little bit of a downtime when they were recovering from the end of the Kobe years, where, you know, they overpaid Kobe, they made the mistakes with Dwight Howard, they made the mistake of Steve Nash, and they kind of had to recover from that. Um, and then they, you know, they made like the Mozgov and the Dang deals, and they spent big money on those guys. Um, and and that was a mistake they needed to recover from, but you know, the other desirable markets, Miami won, they won big in 2010, kept Wade, got LeBron and Bosch. Um, you know, like we're about to see a huge free agent summer this summer, which is why I would also say like pump the brakes on saying like, look, it's not like the bulls are the only team that fails to get free agents. People have been failing to get free agents in other big markets around the league, well, let's let's see what happens this summer when there are a bunch of a a list players who will be open to having uh you know a a, a new destination of their choice. Um, the other part that uh, that our, this caller gets into in the back end of his voicemail, complaining about people who don't believe in Jim Boylan. I mean, to me, I like when when you're saying things like he's he's here to do what this, you know, to, to, to provide this young team with what it needs. And that's why John Paxson believes in him. And I'm sick of people doubting both of these individuals. Boylan's not about, you know, letting star players go out and do what they want. It's about getting the little things accomplished. It's about being a team player. I'm sorry. Do you think that Jim Boylan is the only coach in the NBA who operates that way? Do you think that Jim Boylan is the only guy and this team's only correct answer at head coach who values things like team before individual? That's ridiculous. No, no NBA coach out there is saying I value the individual before I value the team. Come on, give me a break. You're gonna give. You're gonna praise Jim Boylan for that. That is a cookie cutter, you know, like f- frilly language version of. Basically describing what every coach is trying to accomplish in team sports in general. Oh, but, but Jim Boylan is that guy and no other coaches in the league are that guy focused on
3: those things. Give me a break. The thing that I keep going back to is the Nets, him bringing up the Nets. So I appreciate you doing that because this is it's like actually a good snapshot snapshot to look at a team that went from total dismay and sinking in purgatory and quickly turned it around in a matter of three years. So when Sean Marks was hired as their general manager, he was hired in 2016. In three years, look at where the Nets are compared to where they were when they made that KG Paul Pierce trade. And even Brooke Lopez, when they, when they signed him to a huge deal. Look at all the moves that they've made in just three years, where they're back to now. Obviously, it takes a little bit of luck, but also, too, they reshaped, re reformatted their entire organization. They brought Kenny Atkinson in, too, to coach their team, and he's been a perfect fit for that Nets team. They had to change the culture on that team, and that's exactly what they did. And in three years, look at the improvement that they've made. That's my biggest thing here is, where's the Bulls culture change? Like, yes, you keep pulling out head coaches and firing and rehiring different guys, But everything has pretty much stayed the same, right? Front office down. Everything has stayed the same. Yeah, you added Doug Collins, and he's been a mentor and and advisor to pretty much every department in this Bulls team, it seems to be. But that's where it starts. It starts with culture change. Where does the culture change start? It starts at the top.
2: And that's why I took issue with uh, an interview earlier this year where John Paxson cited the Chicago Bears making a... Worst to first leap in their division this past twenty eighteen NFL season because like it it was just such a ridiculous comparison to wake in, it make in so many ways. First of all, worst to first happens in the NFL all the time. It's a sixteen game season. There's crazy turnover. Teams, you know, players switching teams all over the place. And like the NFL and games, NFL games are so fluky. And you know, you can win on any given Sunday, et cetera, et cetera. So that, like, already just nixes that comparison to make. We'll say, well, hey, the Bulls can make a similar big leap. Just look. And the other part of that that Paxson left out is that what happened for the Bears to make that jump? Well, let's see. They got rid of their, their coach who was underperforming. They got rid of their front office, which was making mistakes, and replaced their coach, their coaching staff, and their front office with... With fresh, forward-thinking people, Ryan Pace really hitting in the draft, including especially in the mid-late rounds, finding value where others wouldn't, making risky moves like trading up to get his quarterback, making big splash trades and free agent signings, getting Khalil Mack, adding the, the quality free agents um, in their offseason, all of these things that essentially John Paxson is say, well, look, the Bears did it. We can do it, too. Y'all just got to be patient. The Bears changed everything. It's exactly what you were just saying, Jordan, culture change. So I I understand. and Look, let me say this to to not just get too hard on our our caller here. I I am frustrated, too, when there's nothing but negativity among the Bulls fan base. Um, Find some positive somewhere. Find some optimism somewhere, because otherwise, like, why the hell are you a sports fan if all you're going to do is crap on everything? I get that. And that's why I tend to avoid certain blogs and certain people on Twitter who are just nothing but negativity 24-7. I can't stand it. So I'm with you there. But to say, just you know be patient. Give these people a chance. and Boylan, the right people are in place. You just got to roll with it. Well, no. Sometimes you need a culture change. This team needs a culture change. You can be optimistic about some of these young players they have, but culture change is necessary and when the people in charge are saying look the culture's fine everything's fine we're great we value culture culture's what we're all about and you haven't changed culture in close to two decades that's a problem.
3: Yeah I don't have much to add to that on top Uh, the only thing that I would say is I think our our caller is right about one thing um, specifically talking about free agent signings. Over the last couple of years we've seen this trend to start to happen where Big name guys are staying with their teams, and this is what the NBA kind of wants to happen. They want those guys that have their bird rights that can qualify for supermaxes to stay with their teams and not move around. So and the NBA is
2: actually ma- i mean but but they but they aren't though Jordan. Like the supermax had the opposite effect. It it made Boogie leave Sacramento. It made the Bulls... But he didn't do
3: that on his own choosing, no but that, but He got
2: traded. But, and, and I'm saying, and, and the Bulls traded Jimmy. And look at the situation that the Pelicans are in now with Anthony Davis. But that's my point here, is, is players aren't signing in free
3: agency. They're getting traded. So that's what's happening here, is that players aren't making those decisions in terms of on their own, in free agency. More likely than not, if you... If a team doesn't want to pay you all that money, they trade you. So that's been the trend over the last three, four years, is guys are getting traded as opposed to hitting free agency and being able to make the decision themselves. So the Bulls have struck, struck out there in terms of being able to find a trade. And the Bulls have been in a weird position. Like you just said, two years ago, we had Jimmy Butler. So they moved Jimmy Butler and they got some assets back. But you don't have enough assets right now, at, unless you want to trade marketing and, and Carter or some combination of the three and Levine, marketing and Carter. And Carter. To upgrade to a superstar And there's not that many superstars available in a trade right now It's different than it was a couple years ago So I would say I understand his his point about not signing guys in other big markets, maybe not having as much success. But things have changed over the last four or five years. And trades are happening more more now than it is big-time names signing in different places. Kevin Durant was, what, our last big, big free agent to move teams on his own doing? Who else was it? LeBron? Maybe LeBron. And we all kind of knew he was going to the Lakers. But outside of those two, can you think of anybody off the top of your head that has moved markets and gone to other teams on their own doing gordon hayward maybe going from utah to boston on a big deal
2: cp3 kind of forcing himself you know they did it via sign and trade but leaving the clippers and going to houston al horford going from atlanta to the celtics i don't know i can't think of anybody else off
3: the top of my head so all i would say is there are there are players going to bigger markets he forgot the celtics the celtics are a huge market yeah so, the Celtics have had a ton of success in free agency. So, I'll just leave it there. I understand where our caller is coming from, and I get it. Negativity sucks, and it sucks for us. We don't want to be doing this. I'd rather be talking about a really great team, but I don't want to sugarcoat anything.
2: But also, I mean, and to say, well, give the give the Bulls front office a pass because they're not the only team, and they're not even the only big market that's failed to land big free agents. I'm, I'm not... You know, I'm not giving them a pass for failure just because there are other people out there failing. Like, no, F that. Also, in the giant span of going back to when Paxton took control of this team in 2003, Ben Wallace, Carlos Boozer, Pau Gasol. That's it. And... Of, of Carlos Boozer and, and Pau Gasol were good signings no, they, though. I mean, Pau was aging and to his credit actually like a double double machine that made the All-Star team Pal as had a His Chicago best, his best year. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, he was he was he was a consolation prize. Carlos Boozer was a consolation prize, citing Ben Wallace as landing the the top free agent, which by the way was 13 years ago, is a joke. Because even back then, it doesn't sound like a whole lot, but I'm pretty sure it was a $60 million contract for a Ben Wallace that came to Chicago and did jack squat. So don't tell me, well, give the Bulls a break. You know, the other teams fail at landing. Paxson has been running this team for 16 years, and that is his resume of landing big free agents. Not
3: good enough. Thanks for the call, though. Appreciate it. Please continue to call. We need as many perspectives on this as we can. So appreciate that. Let's get to our next voicemail, Matt.
4: Hey, Matt and Jordan, this is uh, Corey Solomon out of the Los Angeles area. Long time Chicago Bulls fan. You've heard me before. I've been on your uh, on your uh, mind, but uh, anyway, I want to uh, touch on a, a subject that we probably do talked talk about over and over again. And I just not too long ago, maybe about 30 minutes ago, got through hearing an interview with uh, with uh, Michael Reinsdorf on The Score, I think it is, one of those shows this morning. And I keep hearing the same thing over and over by management, by the ownership, by the owners, Jerry and, and, and Jerry Reinsdorf and Michael Reinsdorf, that uh, Gar and Patch are doing a really good job. They really do believe that Gar and Patch, Jim Boylan, uh, all of, all of the, uh, the front house of, uh, coaches, uh, vice president, whatever, is doing a good job. Garn Cox is doing a really good job. What is it that we are missing as fans and what you guys talk about that you see? And some kind of, some kind of way we ain't on the same page. Uh, what are we missing? What do the owners see that we don't see as fans? Uh, are we missing something here? Uh, why do they always believe that guard Cats is doing a really good job with the team uh please give me your thoughts on that uh its it, somebody is uh is not telling the truth here. <laughs> is it us or is it is it the owner? Could you please elaborate elaborate more on that? Why is such a big difference in the the fans' uh, viewpoint and, and ownership? Thank you, Matt and Jordan. I appreciate it uh y'all keep up the good work. I love your show.
3: Thank you. Bye. Thanks for the call, Corey. Good to hear from you again. Yeah, we we sort of touched on this, Matt, when Michael Reinsdorf was on 670 earlier this week. Uh, we spent a really big chunk of time talking about uh, kind of his thoughts. And while it was sort of the same thing that we've heard, we kind of extended that out and talked about where does the Bulls ultimately see themselves going back to. And my conclusion was that they were perfectly fine with being a team that's going to be a grinded out, bust their ass type of team and make it to the four or five seat as a ceiling. You know, I said going back to the Otto porter trade, and I know I sound like a broken record, but that's really where it started. They punted on free agency over the next two years, and they, they took a safer route and maybe lowered their ceiling a little bit, but they figure that they can get back to being a competitive team quicker with auto than maybe taking a risk or a chance on a top free agent and striking out completely this summer and you know hanging their pockets out of their their pants and saying you know we didn't we didn't sign anybody we got all this money and all this flexibility now we're back in the same boat so that's that's where i'm at i think that they've they've changed their course or their outlook on this team in terms of we want to get this right and get back to championships and now they're back to you know what we save some money and we can be competitive along the way and we'll see where this team takes us so i don't know i, I, I if i had the answer i would probably be hired as the next gm or basketball vice president of basketball operations for the bulls because it seems like nobody gets a clear answer and that's where i'm stuck it's like i'm sick of hearing what john paxson and gar foreman's jobs are and having to to list off their job description every time these guys go on air so that's just kind of where I am at. I'm not angry about it anymore. I'm just kind of apathetic at this point.
2: Yeah, it's um, it just, you know, it, it, as you and I said, reacting to Reinsdorf's most recent interview, um, which, you know, Corey here is alluding to, it's just kind of the same old crap that you, you know, you, you don't enjoy listening to it, but you're not necessarily surprised by it either. But you know, the the thing that I would point to is that the reasons that they believe in the people that they have running this team are all the wrong reasons. And most of it is built out of loyalty, just absolute loyalty in, you know, like the Reinsdorfs are loyal to Paxson and Foreman because Foreman and Paxson are loyal to the Reinsdorfs. It's a two way street. And, um honestly it's something that uh, our most recent interview with Casey Johnson you know he was talking about a little bit because you and I always ask him about this, the job security of the, these people in the front office he gets asked about it constantly almost to the point where he gets sick of answering the question but the the way that he has best described it to me is it is just loyalty it's a two-way street of trust it's you know or you call it the circle of trust you know like the the de niro joke from meet
0: the parents with the knowledge you've been given you are now on the inside of what i like to call the burns family circle of trust see if i can't trust you greg then i have no choice but to put you right back outside the circle and once you're out you're out there's no coming back
2: that's it we're starting our own circle of trust and guess what you're not in it well you can't start a circle of trust it's my circle You know what? You don't have a patent on the circle, Jack. And by the way, you're not even in your own circle right now. That is untrue. I say who's in or out of the circle. That's what it is. And that's that's not a good thing. Because if the people that you keep in your circle of trust are the same people and you just keep saying the same reaffirmations to each other back and forth, then you're never going to change anything and nothing's going to get better. But the one thing that really... Uh, bugged me about this most recent interview from Michael Reinsdorf that Corey's talking about was when you know you and I joke all the time Jordan about how in multiple episodes or multiple interviews over the past year or so he keeps referencing Jerry West
1: well first of all I talked to Jerry West
2: he's an NBA legend and now he's like this great valued executive who recently you know it was announced he's going to stay on and and continue his job with the Clippers and I've talked to Jerry West and Jerry West really likes our direction and it's like okay dude why, why are you obsessed with Jerry West and Maybe don't concern yourself with someone who's not working for you, but a different NBA organization and probably not paying that close of attention to what it is that your front office is doing. He made an even more vague statement in a similar, you know, in a uh, similar justification of, of why he believes the front office to say in that interview, well, no other executives have come to me from anywhere across the league and said that they don't like what we're doing and they don't believe in what we're doing and that we're not doing a good job. As if that were something that would happen. Like, Michael Reinsdorf needs to realize that he, as an owner or, you know, part owner slash president running this team, and the people he has put in place to run the basketball team and make basketball decisions, John Pax and Agar Foreman, are competitive They are competing against other people in their positions across the league, just like the players that they hire and employ are competing against each other on the court every night. Do you really think that if executives around this league are schooling the Bulls and making the Bulls, a once respected organization, look foolish on a regular basis, whether it's getting fleeced in trades, whether it's doing this or that, that makes people say, wow, I can't believe that that got out. Wow, I can't believe the perception of the way that that player exited or the way that that they treated that coach as they were firing that coach and all of those things. Why would executives in the league who are trying to be better at their jobs than the Bulls tell Michael Reinsdorf, hey, here's what you're doing wrong. You need, you need to fire these people. You need to fix that. You need to fix this and then you'll be better. Why? All 29 other teams are trying to win championships and be better than the Bulls. So why would Michael Reinsdorf ever have a conversation with an executive that would say or or, or an owner that would say, Nah, you know, I'm, I'm not really buying what you guys are doing. Why would, why would anyone go out of their way to help a different organization? It's ludicrous. Yeah, and
3: I just I go back to the White Sox thing with the loyalty thing you were talking about. You know, it's the same thing there. So if you're a baseball fan at all, if you're like me and you're a White Sox and a Bulls fan, you understand this pain. You see the, the parallels completely. If you don't follow baseball that closely, go just take a look at what the White Sox have done in their rebuild. And even prior to the rebuild, Robin Ventura stayed on. There was no coaching search for him when he was hired. After Robin Ventura was fired, there was no cur- coaching search done for Rick Renneria. Kenny Williams has been around for God knows how long. And he'll probably still be, uh, be there until the end of time because he won the Sox of World Series. Similarly to John Paxson, he helped the Bulls win NBA championships. So he'll have his job for as long as he wants it it's as, it's as clear as that i mean the, the Reinsdorfs the do things with loyalty exactly what you said, and they do it with both of their organizations. There's just not much of a
2: difference and and they and they put you know they put emphasis on loyalty to front office before they put loyalty to coaching or playing or or players. They were more loyal to the front office that predated John Paxson. Than they were to the greatest basketball player of all time. And one of the greatest coaches of all time. Remember back when the, the dynasty was splitting up. And I'm not saying that I disagree with the fact that the dynasty split up when it did. I think they were lucky. They won that third you know, uh, title in the second three-peat by the skin of their teeth. Uh, that team was aging. That team was breaking apart. There were plenty of reasons why the dynasty broke up. But Jordan said... I'll stick around if you guys keep Phil. And if Jordan stayed, Pippen would have stayed. They would have, you know, built another roster that could have contended again. But essentially, before the season even started, it was like Phil Jackson and Jerry Krause were so sick of each other that it was like, all right, Phil's, you know, Jackson was was told by Jerry Krause, regardless of what happens this year, you're done. You're out. I can't take this anymore. And ownership backed Krause instead of, the at the time, and still one of the best coaches ever, the win- one of the winningest coaches ever with the greatest player ever who were saying, I'll only play for Phil and Phil saying, you know, if we can work this out, may- maybe we can fix this. And then back then, this same ownership group showed loyalty to management over the best coach ever and the best player ever. Why should we be surprised that that is still the case now?
3: Appreciate the call, Corey. For anybody else who is wondering our thoughts a little bit more in depth, go back to earlier this week. We talked extensively, probably about a half hour or so, just about this and the direction and what it seems the Bulls are at least in Michael Reinsdorf's eyes, what the Bulls are trying to do. So we went more extensive into that, but wanted to highlight this again for Corey. Thanks for listening, Corey. Thanks for dropping us a call. Hit us up anytime. 331-979-1369, the place to do that. All right, let's continue on, Matt. Let's get to our last voicemail, and then we'll wrap up with a bunch of text messages.
5: Hey, guys, this is Kevin out in Vernon, Wisconsin. Hey, I just got done listening to your podcast where you're talking about uh, Bulls point guard situation, and I had to like pull over the call because I'm kind of baffled why nobody is talking you when know, they're looking at point guard options about the Bucks. Malcolm Brogdon. guy's going to be a restricted free agent. The Bucks are going to be absolutely up against it trying to re-sign everybody. The Bulls get in early and offer, um, you know, a bunch of money to that guy, 16 million a year for four years, something like that. The Bucks are going to have a terrible time trying to match it. You know, look at this guy. He's a combo guard. He can play point guard. He can play shooting guard. You know, all of us talk about, hey, we need somebody who can shoot threes. The guy's shooting like 42 percent from threes. He can play off the ball, so that when Levine's handling the ball, sometimes um, he can play off the ball and, and hit a shot. He's a solid defender. Um, he can—he's deceptive. He can, you know, drive to the basket well. He's got this kind of funky reverse layup that he does. It's honestly he reminds me of Otto Porter only a point guard. He's one of those guys like you look at him and you think ah how good is this guy You look at his stats. He's like leads the NBA just about in free throw shooting. The guy shoots over 40% from three um, over 50% from the field and he can play both things. If you get a guy like that and draft uh Kobe White that gives you a three years for Kobe White to figure it out you've got three combo guys that you can keep substituting in there it's kind of that you know multi-ball handler system that uh the Bulls are talking about that'd be fantastic and now you're set at those positions and if you know Kobe White takes off you can trade one of those pieces either Levine or Kobe White or Malcolm Brogdon they're all going to be value contracts for what they are um I think it'd be great and you know maybe you don't draft a Kobe White then then maybe you draft a Brandon Clark or somebody to back up at at power forward so I mean give him a lot of flexibility yeah I just I don't get why Malcolm Brogdon's not getting more buzz so love to hear what you guys think thanks for putting all this content out guys go both
3: appreciate the call from Wisconsin this is interesting Matt I want to just preface this with the fact that legitimately a month ago April 17th we published an episode on our mailbag actually addressing Malcolm Brogdon and we Pretty pretty detailed on that. I think we went ten about ten or fifteen minutes going into Malcolm Brogdon, but we'll resurface that if you want to go back and listen to that for our Wisconsin caller. Uh, you should definitely do that. That was April seventeenth. We talked about him, but again, I think my biggest thing here is there's two there's twofold to this. One, I really do think the Bucks are probably going to try as much as possible to re-sign him. He and two, mm-hmm. he's going to cost a decent chunk of money. Eric Bledsoe got. Four years, $15 million a year. I think Malcolm Brogdon, for his age, like like our caller was talking about, his production, I think he's going to be somewhere in that 10 to $15 million range. And he's going to want an extended deal, too. You know, similar to what we were talking about with Terry Rozier. He's gonna want a two or three year deal. So are you willing to show up that money for Malcolm Brogdon? And do you think he is the do you think he is the perfect fit for the Bulls in terms of point guard? I agree the multi ball handler system was something we mentioned. Mm-hmm. You know, him playing off the ball at times on offense and Zach Levine running the point might not be a bad idea, but Uh, He's not all that great of a defensive player, Malcolm Brogdon is. He's about an even in defensive box plus minus. So what do you think about this uh, just in terms of maybe the Bulls pursuing him? Yeah,
2: he was a better defensive player um, this season. He was just a negative 0.3 defensive box plus minus uh, compared to a negative 1.9 last year, and negative 1.1 as a rookie. So he he did see a bit of an improvement there on the defensive end. But you know, our, our caller, I don't disagree with anything he's saying as far as the fact that he would be a good fit as another combo guard who could kind of take turns with Levine, work in the multi-ball handler system. And surprise, surprise, to da we keep looking for a reliable three-point shooter in the backcourt to pair with Levine, 42.6%. behind the three-point line this season on 3.8 attempts per game that is exactly what you could use in this bulls backcourt that they haven't had not only that by the way led the nba in free throw percentage this year at 92.8 um scoring 15.6 points per game on just uh just under 12 shots per game 61.4 true shooting percentage. Look, there's a lot I like about Malcolm Brogdon, and I don't disagree that he could be a very good fit with this team. But again, it comes to the money and how much it would take to lure him away from the Bucs. And if the Bulls would be the team that is A, the highest bidder, and or B, offering the most attractive situation. Come come, be a part of our starting five. Come round out our starting five. We've got this young core, Levine, Otto, Marken and Wendell. You can be our fifth starter in Chicago. Big market. Not a huge move. Just come on down to Chicago, which is way cooler and better and bigger and more awesome than Milwaukee or anything that exists in the state of Wisconsin. Apologies to our caller, who I believe uh, said that they themselves are from Wisconsin. Um, but... I like I like all about it. I like Malcolm Brockton, would love to get him in, even with this recent injury that he's had to fight through. But to me, it's, can he actually get lured away from Milwaukee? Maybe he is willing to take a, a more modest contract to stay with the team that has Giannis, the, t- the league's MVP, has a really quality complimentary team, has a new coach, Mike Budenholzer, who could be on his way to winning coach of the year and is probably, we'll see, you know, we got game two on deck tonight, the Eastern Conference Finals, but on their way to the finals, and most people are saying, well, whatever, they don't have a shot to beat the Warriors in the finals, but whatever, they right now still look like they are the best team in the East. It's not easy to leave that situation, especially if you're happy with your role. And not, I like I don't you know I I don't think Malcolm Brogdon's all that discontent to be in Milwaukee and be a very important piece of that team, a team that is right now the power in the East. Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. And
3: they have George Hill too. Still, I don't. Yeah, George Hill's still under contract next year, and uh, they got Eric Bledsoe that they just signed too. So you've I mean the Bucs have a lot of guards. They have a lot of guys that can play the one and the two. So. Maybe, maybe the Bucks just say, you know what, we're out of money, and if you want to go make the money and find a multi-year deal, I don't think we can afford it. Thanks for your service, but uh, we're going to have to move on at this point. The, I really do like Malcolm Brogdon, too. And the age and the timeline kind of matches up similarly to a lot of the other Bulls players. Uh, the one thing I wanted to mention, Matt, out of all the point guards in Rio Plus Minus last season, so that's 102 point guards uh, filtered, Malcolm Brogdon came in at number 19 in real plus minuses at a positive 1.62. Um, some other interesting names, just as we're talking about free agency, free agents here. Ricky Rubio came in at 21 at a positive 1.35 and Patrick Beverly came in at number 11 at positive 2.67. So you got the number 11, number 19, number 21 point guards in real plus minus that are going to be on the free agent market this summer. And three legitimate guys I think the Bulls should pursue. So uh, that's at least good to see. Malcolm Brogdon drops down in defensive box, uh, defensive real plus minus to the 35th best defensive guard uh, out of all the point guards. So he's not great. He's been a, slightly a negative there. Uh, but still, I'm talking about three top 25 real plus minus players, point guards specifically, being available this summer. So... Um, I'm on board, man. I'm on board for Malcolm Brogdon. I'm just curious what his asking price is going to be.
2: Yeah, we'll we'll see. Um, yeah, would be a really nice addition. Uh, don't know how likely it is between luring him away from Milwaukee and being the team that can give him the best offer.
3: Do agree? I do agree with that. And like you said too, the, the three point percentage shooting per oh game gosh. has been. I mean, it's a dream, man. His career is a 40.8% three-point shooter on 3.2 attempts. That's a dream. That's a dream. That's better
2: than the 38.5 that Denzel shot last season. (laughs) It's it's true.
3: Uh, Malcolm Brogdon shot 42.6% last year, by the way. So uh, I would be down, man. I'm down. I'm I'm willing to listen to offers. Uh, So we'll keep an eye on him. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Uh, Let's get to some text messages, Matt, before we get out of here for the day, for the weekend, actually. This one from the 6-3-0. What if the Grizzlies get the the 7th pick, top 10 pick next year, and Chris Dunn from the Bulls, and the Bulls get Mike Conley? By the way, my prediction is they draft Kobe White and sign Terry Rozier. So start with that first one what if the Bulls offer 7th pick, top 10 protected next year, and Chris Dunn to get Mike Conley? You doing that deal or
2: no? Uh, No. No, I'm not. Because I think that the Bulls can be, not can be, very well might be a lottery team again next year. And not to say that they might have one of the 10 worst records in the league next year, but I think it's certainly possible. And I'm not, you know... Well, so so you're saying a top ten protected, yeah, in 2020, and they're seven this year, and done for Conley, correct? No, I I I just I I don't think that Mike Conley is the answer. I don't know why people are harping on this. Um, you know, I I just it, it, I mean that's not a terrible package of things to surrender. The seven pick this year is kind of eh. And maybe, you know, if the Bulls end up in the lottery again next year, as I was saying, you might be able to actually keep that pick. But then, of course, there would be stipulations beyond that for when it would actually convey, as there usually is. And Dunn, who were saying, you know, if you can get anything for Dunn, take, you know, take what you can get. But again, I, I just... I'm not that high on the idea of Conley coming here. And so, like, to me, it's just like... It's an interesting proposal. I just... I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm sick of talking about Mike Conley. I don't think he's the right answer. I
3: like Mike Conley. I think it would be a good idea if the Bulls are just going to fully gas this into, you know what, we're going to try as much as possible to try to win for the next two years and then see where we come out on the other side once Otto Porter's deals off the books. We actually have money to spend in in free agency. And then you're going to be talking about uh, one year left on Zach Levine's deal. You're going to be talking about Lowry marketing needing need and contract extension. And two years down the road, you're going to need Carter with a new contract extension too so I think it's it's about what decision and what path the Bulls want to go down and that's it's funny and ironic that we're saying that considering we don't really know what the path is and we haven't there's been more time where we haven't known what the path is with this rebuild than there has been time where we know exactly what the path is for this rebuild. So uh, just just to give you an idea of right. Mike Conley's stats last year, 21.1 points per game, 6.4 uh, assists, 2.8 rebounds and 1.3 steals. He shot 43.8 percent from the field, 36.4 percent from three and he had an effective field goal percentage of 50.7 Matt that effective field goal percentage is his second highest of his career 11 years that la- that percentage Second highest of his career. So he had a really good season coming off uh, a lot of injuries and only playing 12 games in 2017, 2018. So if he could stay healthy, he would be awesome. But again, it's just weighing his production with also the money that he makes. And that's the, the tough thing to get past. Similarly to Otto Porter, right. it's tough to get past his money and kind of how underrated he is in in the league so far. So,
2: well, and if you think about it as the pieces going in either direction. And, you know, this goes back to a, a question we had at the beginning of the episode about Conley and the money. He's due 32.5 next year. God, I forgot. I thought it was like 27. 32.5. That's disgusting. And 34 uh, million in
3: 2020, 2021.
2: Right. But so for next year, Chris Dunn on the final year of his rookie deal is due 5.35. And with the seventh pick that the Bulls would be sending in the trade, that uh, salary in the first year of a rookie deal is starting at 5.3. So you add that up, Dunn and the seventh pick. That's uh, 10.6 million, rough math, subtracted, you know, uh, off of 32 and you're at 12 Uh, or no, I'm sorry, um, 22, 22. So as far as the other question of like, how do the Bulls round out the roster? Are the Bulls willing to go into the luxury tax for a season that will probably be a non-relevant one? I don't know, man, that's a lot of money.
3: Yeah, and I think the Bulls have I'd have to double check this in terms of trades, but I think the Bulls have a, a small trade exception too, and I don't know if that has to just be for one-for-one for one players uh, to use that trade exception, but I think they have one from Jerry and Grant, and they also have one from Justin Holliday. Um, but I'd have to go back in detail. It's nothing major. It's like $1 or $2 million for both of those guys, maybe $3 million. Uh, so they could use that as well to maybe save a little bit of cap if they wanted to do this, but... Uh, Like you're saying, you're only going to have like two million dollars to sign one other player and you still need somebody to back you up uh, in your front court. You still need somebody to play center. I mean, you're not going to have Felicio play center. So, uh, yeah, so there's a little there's a few bumps in the road if if the Bulls really wanted to pursue him. But uh, yeah, like I go back with Mike Connelly conversation. I think there's other teams out there that can make a better offer than the Bulls will. And the Bulls would have to, I think, overpay uh, in order to get Mike Conley. So
2: we'll just, we'll see where it goes, but appreciate the text. All right, Jordan. This one comes from 815. I should preface this scenario by saying I am not a crazy Bulls fan that thinks this is possible. Uh, I just present it as a fun situation and could lead to a fun conversation. So on Wednesday's podcast, you said the Bulls should take a big swing. What if in Philadelphia they put Ben Simmons on the block due to his odd fit salary cap issues? What is the most you'd give up for Simmons? Would you go Lowry straight up for Simmons? Here's my quick response to that. And I know that you know this person's saying just a fun hypothetical, so I won't rake you over the coals. No, that's crazy. I think Simmons is one of the more overrated players in the league right now. There's no way in hell I would do Simmons for Lowry straight up. I don't want Ben Simmons. The guy can't shoot. He's overrated. No, stop. No.
3: Leaving my personal opinion out of it, uh, the Bulls are going to have to give more than just Lowry marketing. Ben Simmons.
2: Which is crazy, right? Because in my opinion, marketing is more valuable than Ben Simmons. Uh, I don't know about that, man. Ben Simmons can't shoot. Dude, in a best of seven playoff series, Ben Simmons becomes the smallest player on the court, literally and figuratively.
3: I see I see your point. I get it and he doesn't shoot threes, and that's a huge problem. Like look at the 76ers, look at the way Pete teams were playing defense against him. They were it was it was four on five and they were double teaming anybody in the paint just clogging it and it was hard for Ben Simmons to score and to do some other things and kind of limited to Jimmy and Tobias and Joel and Embiid's uh, production on the floor so it yeah if he wants to take that next step he's got to be able to shoot threes and that's been the running joke for the last two years with his career but still he's only gonna be 23 next year he was an all-star last year 16.9 points per game 8.8 rebounds 7.7 assists 1.4 steals uh, and he shot fifty six point three percent. Pretty damn good, man.
2: Pretty damn good. I, I, I don't care about any. I don't care about any of that. Complete, just what, just, just whitewash conversation or whitewash opinion of I. You know, I, I no. I, I don't care about Ben Simmons' numbers. I test. I think he's so overrated. Difference of opinion there. I don't think Ben
3: Ben Simmons is overrated. I think he just needs to develop a three point shot. Would you,
2: who honestly, like, who would you rather have for the entirety of their career in their prime, Ben Simmons or Lowry Markkinen? Feeling how you feel about Simmons ceiling and Markkinen ceiling?
3: Because
2: hmm. I'm taking Markkinen ten times out of ten.
3: I'd have to think long and hard about that. I probably still take the chance on Ben Simmons. Be honest with you, I would still take the shot 100%. on him.
2: All right, fair enough. I like. I don't. Th- I, I don't think you're nuts. I think most people would think that I'm nuts. But I just, I just, you know, I, I think the market and ceiling is so much higher. Um, and, and Simmons, especially as it comes to what you can do in the playoffs when things get really, you know, uh, gritty and, you, you know, you're, you're trying to figure out mismatches on, you know, a game-to-game basis and make mid, you know, in-game adjustments in the way that when his lack of shooting and the way the defense is just completely adjust their strategy towards daring Ben Simmons to shoot, it changes everything as opposed to a regular season game when he's like this great distributor who's like, you know, a new age Magic Johnson, this oversized point guard, whatever, whatever, whatever. Not, not trying to sell him short on those skills. I'm just saying um, we, we've seen repeatedly so far that Ben Simmons shrinks in the playoffs. And not like again, I can't even say anything about marketing in the playoffs because the Bulls haven't gotten there with marketing yet. I'm just saying I would take marketing over Simmons. And I know that I'm probably – in the minority of that opinion.
3: Uh, yeah, I think you are too. And, you know, I'm just looking at Ben Simmons' usage rating, or his usage percentage, 22.3% in his rookie year and 22.1% in his uh, sophomore season. Matt, he's a defensive box plus minus positive 3.6 in his rookie year and a positive 2.6 last year. He's been a positive offensive box plus minus in both of those seasons. His box plus minus and value over replacement player is a positive 4.6 his rookie year and 4.1 last year. I mean, that's way higher than Markinen's was. And it's hard to deny the defense too. That's another thing. This team needs defense so badly. And to have a guy like Ben Simmons who can guard uh, one through four, one through five, it's hard to pass up and I get I, I get the weakness there and that's the three point shooting but if we're talking about it in terms of Bulls thinking kind of makes sense with Jim Boylan I mean Jim Boylan doesn't like the three either so uh,
2: that's not a good thing
3: <laughs> no, I know, I know. I'm just saying in terms of the perspective of the Bulls. So I love Lowry too. This is not to shit on Lowry either, but you just got to understand the value of Ben Simmons around the league, even with some of the weaknesses he does have. I mean, there were they were talking about LeBron for Ben Simmons swap. If we're if we're at that stage, then Lowry for Mar- for Ben Simmons straight up. It just it, that's not even in the ballpark.
2: Yeah, but uh, you're also talking about two people who are at the very beginning. Of their NBA careers versus one who's very near the end in that scenario. We're also talking about LeBron James, dude.
3: LeBron James, LeBron James, LeBron James,
2: dude. He doesn't care anymore. He's he moved to LA. He's starting to work on his business. He does his barbershop HBO show. He's working on Space Jam too. He pff, like I, I, I think we're 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 you know maybe maybe I'll rue the day that I say these comments because you know you come with the king, you best not miss whatever whatever. Dude's never been the king. MJ's the true king. Um, I, th- I think LeBron's done caring about winning at basketball. I, I truly think he is, and it showed this season. It's going to be interesting
3: to see what happens next year when he's fully healthy. I still don't think he was fully healthy, all, especially when he came back. I don't think it's about the winning thing. I think it's about the health, too. Um, but that's a different story for a different day. Let's uh, continue to roll through these text messages, try to get to as many in the next uh, five or ten minutes here. Speaking
2: of healthy eight one five a different eight one five. Can we just trade the seventh pick and cash considerations for a better medical staff? Uh, kudos. <laughs> I don't really have much to say to that other than you're funny. good job. Uh, and yes, I would I would like to do that. I don't know if I want to give up the seventh pick for a better medical staff, but you know, find new people find better people and pay them money that's a good one to do a better job
3: all right this one's from the 773 hey guys this is darian from inglewood i just want to say i am pissed about the lottery but i will be an adult about it i'm really pushing for anthony davis to get traded to the lakers for the last package they offered including their new top five pick i feel if the bulls can at least try to be the three the third team In this trade, we could come away with some good pieces, maybe Lonzo Ball or maybe a pick uh, willing to take on salary if the shoe fits, but mainly stack up on the lottery picks. So it sounds like Darian wants the Bulls to continue to go young and continue to figure it out through the draft. And sounds like he might be on board for Lonzo Ball as Um, well.
2: Yeah, I, you know, I feel like we talked about Lonzo uh, pretty extensively yesterday or the day before. I can't remember. Um. If if they can yep. make themselves a useful third party in a trade like that, as Darian suggesting, then you know I'm I'm open to that idea. But I am I'm you know I'm not making it a huge top priority to go get Lonzo Ball.
3: Look at you coming around now. You know, a couple months what? ago you were just you were shitting on Lonzo Ball, and now you've come around a little bit. That's
2: good. That's good to hear. I mean, mostly I you know. A lot of it is. You wrong. know
4: what? You can That's, just loosen up and call me Levar now. We've been on this thing well, we have, for a long we do, time. I do, I feel, I do feel. like we.
2: I can't stand that guy. I, and I don't oh, want him I anywhere near it. my team. I'm, 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 I I'm dead, I'm dead serious, dude. Everybody said, well, he's calmed down. He's way less loud and obnoxious once he got a talking to from, you know, Lakers brass, whatever, whatever. You know, it's it's still ways. As a, a factor, in my opinion, about bringing Lonzo to Chicago, it does. And if you think that's, you know, silly and stupid, whatever, fine. You can think that's silly and stupid. I I don't want that man anywhere near my basketball team. I think he's, I think he is a cancer. And I think he's a cancer for his children. And I think that, to me, is more upsetting. People saying, he turned his son into the number two pick with all of his pomp and, you know, you know, chest pounding and all that stuff. Okay, yeah, that's true. But that doesn't mean that he is a good influence on his children. He pulled one of his younger children out of high school and sent him to a frickin wania to play professional basketball. Oh, gee, what a surprise. That son of his fell into a deep depression. God. Basketball-wise, yeah, we know that Lonzo is not a great three-point shooter and he's not a great free-throw shooter, but he's a wonderful playmaker and this Bulls team needs a wonderful playmaker. I get that. I get all of that. And that's why I've slowly started to come around to the idea of not being a terrible idea. And as if you know, as long as the Bulls aren't sacrificing the farm to Alonzo Ball, then maybe bring him in. But to me, it's still like I just I cannot stand Lavar. See, Ball. that's what I'm talking about. You need somebody like me to um, loosen you up a little bit. You you wound up, and I don't want him anywhere near my team.
3: I don't think you'd have to worry about him all that much, considering Lonzo and Lavar's relationship lately. So, uh, just thinking about the the dude that they hired, I can't even think of his name off the top of my head. But then ended up
2: oh the. Like, Lavar's friend, who was their business manager, who yeah. totally ripped them off? Yeah, so... Yeah. I mean, I don't think that made... Lonzo
3: Ball very happy and realized he needs to take control of his life and needs to contra- take control of his money because at the end of the day it's about him and uh, I think he's learned some lessons and you know d- dad's not always right dad is not always right and I think he's finding that out finding out the hard way after losing a couple million dollars so I don't think you really have to worry about it all that much like he's still he's still got two other sons he needs to concentrate on and Lamelo being one of those next up and coming stars trying to still get him to college or maybe into the G League who knows what's going on with him but I don't think it's going to be as big of an issue as people thought it was going to be when Lonzo was coming out of UCLA and, and going into the draft and all of that so um, yeah that, that's how I feel on it I don't think he's going to be as big of a distraction um, just because of the relationship those two have now but but I'll be honest with you if the Bulls traded for Lonzo Ball I would try my hardest every single day I would don't care how many emails I have to send we at some point we'd get LeVar Ball on this show
2: um I'll just I'll just tell you this one of my favorite movies The Usual Suspects the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist that's you just now saying you're not worried about LeVar Ball
3: you are a hater. I'm not a man. He calls out the Lakers front office all the time. Why wouldn't you want that? I mean, you you then you would have a public figure. If things don't go right here in Chicago, you have an actual public figure calling out the front office.
2: Yeah, sure. You'd be on the side of the fans, let's, man. Let's bring in Lonzo. Let's bring in LeVar to mix things up. Let's sign Derrick Rose. Who the fuck cares? Let's do it. Let's go crazy. Let's see what happens. Let's play, let's play Russian roulette. Good. That was
4: good. I'll give you
3: that. A little laughter never hurt nobody.
2: I think that's a little
3: dramatic, but... We'll leave it there. We'll leave it there. Everybody else, 331 979 1369 Text us in, drop your voicemails. Anything you got for us, and you could tweet at us at Locked On Bulls at Jordan C Malley, and at Bulls underscore pack. But that's gonna about do it here on Locked On Bulls. Hit us up on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. Subscribe to the show. Make sure you're subscribed to Locked on Bulls. All it takes is one press of the subscribe button. And you'll have our episodes in your podcast provider as soon as they drop. Sometimes we don't tweet out the links. Sometimes the tweets, the links on Facebook aren't shared right away. But in order to make sure that you have our episodes right away, hit that subscribe button. That's Himalaya, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Anywhere you get your podcasts, we are sure to be there. Thank you so much for listening today. It's been an exciting, disappointing roller coaster type week with the lottery going on. So we got plenty to talk about over the next couple of weeks leading up to the NBA draft. Looking forward to hearing from all of you guys to Continue to drop those texts and voicemails. For Matt Peckham, Jordan, Malley, Bulls Nation, have a wonderful wonderful weekend we'll be back on monday with a fresh episode for jordan and matt we are out deuces
0: promo not chris Mo. hey
3: man you promo. Been... lavar get your head oh. straight promo like like promo like
4: google like the google google chrome stay in your lane
0: locked on bulls a show for the most passionate fan base in the nba hosts jordan malley and matt peck dive into the best bulls news and stories around the nba Locked on Bulls is live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, starting at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central. For more content and to stay up to date, head over to LockedOnBulls.com.